0: Okay, guys. Frank Clark had one sack versus Jacksonville. He's now tied for fourth all time with Reggie White with 12 career playoff sacks. Let's discuss
1: uh, Hall of I, Fame, right? Let's start there.
2: Okay, so I looked at the rest of the list of top 10 NFL playoff sack guys ever. Uh, the other nine are Hall of Famers.
1: So, or either. or will be Hall of Famers, right? Or will be,
2: yeah. Some are some are like they're not yet, but like I'm pretty sure Clay Matthews is going to get in or whatever, right? Um if he's not in already, the the rest of them are either Hall of Famers or will for sure be Hall of
1: Famers. Can we go through the list really quick? Um, Because it's a it's a who's who of prolific pass rushers. Number one is William McGinnis with uh, New England. Uh, Bruce Smith, Hall of Fame. Pretty, Terrell Suggs will be in the Hall of Fame. Frank Clark is tied with Reggie White. Reggie White, obviously in the Hall of Fame. Dwight Freeney will be. Charles Haley is. James Harrison will be. Clay Matthews on the border. Lamar Woodley on the border.
2: Yeah, on the border. He'll get like he'll get the votes. I don't think he'll he'll get a vote. And then right below him, by the way, Von Miller, Hall of Famer, Richard Dent, who will be all, you know, like whatever.
1: Like- and by the way, all of those guys, like Willie McGinnis played for almost like he played for 15 years, I think. Bruce Smith played for yeah. 18 years. Terrell Suggs played for 16 years. Frank Clark has done it in seven seasons, seven seasons as a pro, but I think he only had two or three to his name before he got to Kansas City. So this is basically all been within a four-year span since he joined the Chiefs.
2: I think I, I had kind of not counted out. I was just like, oh, Frank Clark's a rotational defensive end who can get some sacks, and that's nice. He's their third best pass rusher. Chris Jones is their best. Karloftis is their second best, and Frank Clark can get some pressure. Neat. That's just like I just kind of like settled into, I'm good there. And then, before the game, he told both Nate Taylor, who wrote about it in his piece at The Athletic, he told James Palmer of NFL Network, a storm's coming. Like, I'm coming. And you're like, okay, fine, man, I I guess. And then he goes out and he has that performance, and you're like, good God, he was serious. Because not just
1: the sack, he had the other – one which
2: he wrecked an entire
1: drive. Well, they didn't play great the whole game. It was a tackle for loss, but they didn't rule it a sack because I think at that point Lawrence was running. Yeah. It was behind the line of scrimmage and you easily could have considered that a sack as well. Yeah. On the, on the
2: drive, he got the sack. He got a tripping penalty called against him because he was getting ready to destroy the quarterback. He also hit it. he, He made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on a running back and he got pressure on the, on the, the first play after the penalty and then got a sack. So he, he ruined a drive single-handedly and he played really well in the game outside of that. I was not planning on ever Nick. I don't think I was ever planning on playoff Frank being a thing again. Kayla. I thought, you know, all right, we had it for that one year. It was cool. Then we said, Oh, it's going to come back the second year. And it didn't. We're like, okay, we're done here. And then the third year you're like, okay, it's not, you know, they don't get sacks. He's not playoff Frank anymore. Apparently it still exists. So I apologize to Frank Clark. I didn't realize playoff rank was still a thing, but it
1: apparently very much is.
0: What brings out playoff frank?
1: I do think, I'll tell you what. I do think there are a lot of guys in the NFL, and you can only do this when you have the luxury of being on a really good team. And Frank Clark has basically been on a postseason team every year of his career. Even in the three years he was in Seattle, that was a playoff team every year with Russell Wilson. I think when you do that long enough, you maybe come to just understand that you you get the luxury of playing in the postseason so you don't have to play hard for 17 weeks during the regular season now i'm sure coaches would tell him like hey like we kind of would love it if you would bring the same intensity all year long but i think there is a level of heightened focus when you get to the postseason and there's a level of going through the regular season saying nah i don't need to do all this right now because i'm gonna come through big when it matters the most I think to add on to that, when you get to the postseason, you're playing a lot of times the best defenses, or excuse me, the best offenses, great schemers, great offensive lines. You're going to attribute a lot of your attention to the best player on the other defense. And that's always been Chris Jones. And I think he has benefited from playing next to Chris Jones. And he, like, unlike some other guys, you can see this happen around the, the rest of the NFL. Oh, we are, we're going to account for this one guy and you don't have another dude who can beat us. Frank Clark is good enough to beat you if you sort of leave him on an island. He's only 29 years old. I feel like because of the injury history and the fact that he hasn't been super productive during the regular season, we make Frank Clark out to be older than he is. He's really young for that position. Like, guys play well into their mid-30s at a relatively high level, and it's—I guess it's—when you see him do it, it's not surprising anymore. Beforehand, you'd say, oh, I would be surprised if we ever see that Frank Clark again, but then you just see him do it for one day or one game, and you go, oh, okay— yeah, I guess it's not all that surprising after all.
0: Frank Clark That's a good the, point about him having more opportunities to get sacks
2: in the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Jones helps it. He just nicks right. He does. But Karloftis helps it too. Like in that same piece I was talking about with Nate Taylor, you know, in reading it, it's like Frank Clark's job this year was stay healthy, make Karloftis better. And then play off Frank and just we'll just turn the switch on and it's cool. And apparently he's capable of doing that. Right. He can just be like, OK, sounds good. Um, he knows that the playoffs are where you make your money. That's where you're going to do it. And I think Joe Cullen had done a really good job, the Chiefs defensive line coach, of convincing him he doesn't have to stat chase in the regular season anymore. Like, dude, it's fine. Get some pressure and let Chris Jones fall on the guy. And -hmm. then if we get into the playoffs and they decide they're not going to let Chris Jones fall on this guy anymore, your turn. Chris Jones will do all the pressure stuff, and then you get a fall on him instead. Like, it's been a really good dynamic. When you toss in a third guy who can get pressure, the leading sack guy for the Bengals this year had eight and a half sacks. George Karloftis finished with two thirds of that and he didn't come on until later in the season. The Chiefs might have three of the best four pass rushers in the game on Sunday. That makes a huge difference.
0: Well, speaking of Chris Jones, do we care less about his postseason sacks if Frank is the one going off?
2: Uh, sure. You know, I, I think <laughs> I might, well, like I care about the Chris Jones sacks, but I cared about him because I thought that was the only way they were going to get him for a long time. So, like, last year when you're like, Chris Jones, man, you got to take down Joe Burr, you got to get a sack. Well, they were the third worst sack team in the NFL. Chris Jones had to get a sack because if Chris Jones didn't, no one was. If you're telling me someone else is, then I I don't care. Chiefs get four sacks in a game and zero of them are Chris Jones. I don't care. Good for Chris Jones because I know that he played some part in it. I am even guilty of it. I think it was last year. um, A guy who works on our station, Jay Binkley, bless him, told me again about, like, you know, the Chiefs are actually sixth in pressures, though. And I'm like, I don't care they're like third to last in sacks i'm I'm, i guess i'm glad that they get close enough to the quarterback to have a short conversation but they never bring him down and that feels problematic but in chris jones case if other people are bringing him down then i know he's doing his job kayla you know like i get less worried about the oh he's like because he did he had an impact on that last game i know he didn't have a, a sack but he had an impact that's why i care less about chris jones it doesn't mean as much if somebody else is getting him
1: yeah, because I don't, I refuse to believe after the season that Chris Jones just had, it, maybe it's easier to go down this road if he has a, a six or seven sack season and then doesn't get any sacks in the postseason as well. But if he goes through a, a, a season like he just had with, what was it, 16 and a half sacks? 16 sacks? 15 and a half. Should have been and 16 and a half, half but he said, right. he said
2: mean words to a quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Um, and he had the roughing the passer penalty. So actually, yeah. two more. He is what a, a top three pass rusher in the nfl i refuse to believe that oh he just can't do it in the postseason no, no no he just did it for 17 weeks so if he's not having like a productive postseason in terms of raw numbers in terms of sacks it's because of the attention that he's getting from opposing offenses and offensive coordinators. It's not because he's just not good anymore. It's not because he's gassed or he doesn't have anything left in the tank. It's simply because of the way that teams are scheming against him. And especially now when I see guys like Mike Dana or Frank Clark or George Karloftis, if any, if any of these guys start having production, I am to assume that it's a byproduct of all the the attention that Jones is getting from opposing offenses. So, his impact is still being felt. It's just not being felt from the raw sack production department.
0: Well, guys, the Bengals are now officially betting favorites on Sunday. How do we feel about everyone betting against the Chiefs? Personally, I like it because it's going to make winning that much better.
2: Well, and it's a uh, we like them to be motivated, and they're motivated by the idea that they are now Vegas underdogs. So Bengals will still claim they're the underdog, right? They're going to narrow and all that. The the thing that scares me a little bit about it is, does Vegas know something about the ankle injury I don't? Because from just a betting perspective, it it is illogical, right? Normally, Vegas trends would tell you this is a three-point Chiefs are a favorite, and they went from a a two-and-a-half-point favorite to a a two-and-a-half-point underdog in like 48 hours. But from a Chiefs, or if you want to bet on the Chiefs, like if you listen to this podcast, you're like, I'm betting on the Chiefs. Wait, you you might get another half point. You might get another point. Who cares? Take your chances because the Chiefs have just as good of a chance to beat Cincinnati as Cincinnati does the Chiefs. And the fact that now they can say we're the underdog is good. The Chiefs so rarely get that opportunity to actually claim where an underdog. And at least because Vegas has said so, they can sit in a locker room and say that.
1: Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised at this point with the, with how quickly the line is moving. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing gets up to two or two and a half. I mean, we're, it's it's Wednesday, like there's a lot of time left between now and this game. And I don't, I don't know if it has as much to do with Mahomes. I know that might be worth a point or a point and a half as much as it does that the Bengals are the trendy team now, and that is how people bet. People bet emotionally. They saw the way the Bengals just dismantled the team that maybe they thought were the Super Bowl favorites. Right? You could have went to last weekend thinking that the Bills were the best team in the NFL and. Cincinnati pantsed them on their home field when they felt like a team of destiny we are reactionary people and we are reactionary betters a lot of people pay attention to what just happened and make decisions based off that and then you look at the history between the two teams like it makes sense that everybody would be all over Cincinnati I found myself at, at times over the last 48 hours saying okay how are the Chiefs gonna beat this team look at what they just did to Buffalo look at what they've done to you look at what they did to you in the AFC championship game last year but this is this like these are very evenly matched teams and I refuse to think that Cincinnati could be like inching towards being three points better than Kansas City like I, I know that it's really like we I've heard a lot over the last day that oh well they've got the better roster they've got a much better roster they may have better offensive talent Bengals like Bengals don't have a good pass rush the Bengals don't have a good offensive line we have a tendency to fall in love with skill position players. Who's got good receivers? Who's got a good running back? Who's got the good Chiefs have a better offense and defensive line. The Chiefs are going to win in the trenches on both sides. They're going to win in the trenches on both sides, and that wins in the postseason every single year. Go back to the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Why did the Chiefs lose that game? Was it because Tom Brady was better than Patrick Mahomes? Was it because... Uh, the Buccaneers, wide receivers, and pass catchers were better than the Chiefs? No, it's because the Chiefs' offensive line couldn't block to save their lives. I'm going to be really interested to see how that plays out on Sunday.
2: When I look through, and I, like that portion of it, like where they are from a roster perspective, I absolutely think that that should be playing a factor in here about why they're doing that, but it's just... When you, when you watch these two teams play, because Nick, it is easy to be like a one game sample size and be whatever. They were loot. They were about to lose to the Ravens. I, I mean, like, can I can I factor in the last two weeks? Is, <laughs> is 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 that okay? Can I think about you know whether or not that's going to play a factor here? I think that when we're talking about it, why can't that be some some version of this conversation? I just think. Then when you're looking at these two teams, there are things that clearly favor Kansas City. It's like, they we just want to pretend about that because they have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Like, I get it. Like, this is the problem that people mistake. like, hey, you know, all three of those guys would be the number one wide receiver in Kansas City. I'm like, you know what? You could probably make an argument between Boyd and Juju Smith-Schuster, but the other two, I wouldn't make an argument with you. But also, it's like, if we were drafting offensive skill position players, Travis Kelsey might still go first. If you're you're Cincinnati, you probably say the answer is Jamar Chase. If you're Kansas City, you probably say the answer is Travis Kelsey, who's been one of the most consistent weapons in NFL history, and he's been one of the best playoff performers of all time. Travis Kelsey, over his last seven playoff games, is averaging – this is his average – seven catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. He's actually averaged a little better than a touchdown a game. It's eight touchdowns in seven games, but I'll round down for the sake of this argument. So it's – like, there are – There are places where the Chiefs are a better team, and I think that that should factor in.
0: Just out of curiosity, what was the line in Bengals' Bills? Uh, Bills by five
1: and a half. (laughs) Bills by five and a half. And And by the way, to that point, the Chiefs were favored by five in this game last year? Five or six? Uh, Seven. Started at seven. Seven? I think it started at seven and it closed at six. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man. Started at a full touchdown. They were a touchdown favorite against Cincinnati last year. These rosters are not dramatically different. Hell, Cincinnati's roster is almost identical.
1: Well, they tried to go out and revamp the offensive line and it didn't really work. No, it got hurt. Yeah. Kayla, I'm with you. I love, like, I want this line to continue to balloon up. I know I don't think this. I don't think the Chiefs like, like, I don't think this is bulletin board material for the Chiefs. I don't think I don't think players pay it that much attention to betting lines. I think they pay more attention to like the public conversation. What are people saying online? What are people saying on TV? Things like that. So I don't think this is necessarily motivation for the team, but I guess for my own psyche, I love knowing that everybody in America is betting against you.
0: The Chiefs aren't going to trash talk. We will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quick question though, guys. Does, does this mean that the Bengals can't play the underdog card anymore? Like uh, they love doing?
2: Uh They'll still do. the I, Look, just real quick. The Patriots after winning five Super Bowls, once sat in a postseason and said, they don't believe it. They had shirts made. They don't believe in us. And you're like, I'm sorry. What? You have five Super Bowl rings. You're (laughs) the single greatest quarterback of all time. You don't get to play the underdog. So I think Cincinnati will try. I just don't think it should hold any weight.
1: Kind of like what I was just saying. I don't think players pay attention to that. So, the the Bengals playing the underdog card doesn't have to do with the vegas line the Bengals playing the underdog card is uh, everybody talks about the chiefs everybody talks about mahomes this and that so i don't really think they care all that much their underdog card is all based off of the fact that nobody has ever they don't think anybody's ever given them the proper respect that they deserve again like do whatever you want because now that the Bengals are the shiny new object in the AFC, I think the Chiefs pay attention to that. Because wait until Thursday and Friday when all the talking heads start doing their predictions for this weekend's games. And I promise you this is going to happen. I promise you everybody's going to pick the Bengals. Like America is going to pick the Bengals. And when that happens, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, all those guys will be paying attention to that.
0: I love it. We could not be in a better position, in my opinion. Take the plus money. Think me later.